0: The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi there and welcome to episode 24 of Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host. And today we have Jessica Cry, um, my colleague on the Cannabis Oversight Committee. She's actually vice chair. Um, Jessica is a representative for UFCW Local 5. And she is also on the executive committee for the San Francisco... Um, labor council Uh, in addition to that unlike a lot of people who work in the union she actually has practical cannabis knowledge because she started out working in a dispensary so one of my favorite people really gets involved in things and has a really amazing 360 view on how it all kind of comes together so jessica welcome thank you so much for being here today Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I let's let's start from the beginning. I always like to do this with my guests, just for because it really shows the human side of cannabis. Because we all kind of, you know, it's, it's not like one day you wake up and you're like, "This is what I'm going to do." How did you? How did you get interested in cannabis?
1: I first got interested um,
0: due to a personal
1: need. I I used to have, or I guess I still, you know struggle or there's obstacles with um, panic attacks and anxiety, Um, I wasn't really the type to want to take a lot of pills or anything. And I'd rather go for a more holistic method of working on like meditation and calming. And I found that cannabis was a helpful way for me to help calm myself, even without necessarily ingesting cannabis Of just having that feeling kind of later on of, oh, remember, like it's not that intense let's breathe, let's stay calm. Um, From there, I got involved with a bit of trimming from people in like my area, in um, like the Fairfield area. And from there, I I soon moved to San Francisco where I got a job at a cannabis dispensary in the Excelsior district. Um, I was kind of scared actually to first like work at an actual dispensary because in the early 2010s, I don't know if you well. You probably do remember. Um, there was like some federal raids going on a lot. Oh yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah, and I was scared. I I wasn't interested in like doing any kind of sales or anything inside of a dispensary because I was worried that I would get arrested or I would lose my job. It just didn't seem like it was a secure place to to be employed. And. I met um, somebody that actually worked with Asa who worked there and he was like, oh, well, we're a union shop. So we have protections for you. There's security and like they can't just come and take you and like part of your dues is what's going to help you like defend yourself and the union has your back. So you you shouldn't have to worry about any kind of raids or anything. Or if it does happen, they're going to help you find another employment within the union. And that's what made me be, okay, now I can like not hide my cannabis participation anymore and i can be upfront and be confident in telling my family that i'm in the cannabis industry that's how i've been i get my money now
0: it, it's uh, for people who have recently entered the industry i don't think that they understand like those of us who who started back then it was it was a bit of a of a leap of faith because we were, I mean, that was one of the first things along with getting cannabis education, you get trained on how to handle a raid. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. don't do that anymore. used to get a, (laughs) used to get the the business attorney card and, you know, be told what to do. (laughs) It's
1: crazy. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So
1: I was, I was just, I was happy with the protection that came with it and knowing that the union had, you know, a strength of so many different types of workers, because USCW also represents like factory workers and food, um, grocery workers, pharmacists. Um, we also represent Green Apple Books in San Francisco. I love um, Green so Apple. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, I, I'm always like, go to Green Apple, don't go to Amazon, um, <laughs> or not until I go Union. Um, but yeah, I'm. I just, yeah, I don't think people know how risky it used to be, which I'm glad. Like, I, I don't want people to think it's like, oh, well, you, you kids don't know what it was like. It's kind of like, well, I'm <laughs> glad that it's not like that anymore. Right. But just remember where it came from. And yeah. That we're still in that fight federally.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, nobody nobody should really have to go to work and worry about the feds raiding their job. Mm-hmm,
1: exactly. <laughs> and it's. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like, it was really, it was frustrating because even as a consumer before going into my dispensary, I would go to one of my shops on Ocean and it's gone. It's gone this week. And then a month later, here it is again. (laughs) It was just, it was so inconsistent. It was unfair to be told that something was legal, but not really. Um, I think we're getting a lot better now. But it was just nice to have that union backing of, I know that they're even, they're all over the place, from local San Francisco politics to, you know, all the way to DC of saying, "Hey, we need to get this federally legal because this is hurting our workers and it's putting them in danger."
0: Yeah, I, one thing that makes me happy now is that people can actually openly say that that they work in cannabis because that's one of the things for me. Like when I when I started working behind the bar, um, and it was 2012 for me. I uh, you know, there, there are people that I wasn't able to tell what I did, not because like I was going to get in trouble, but because there was a lot of judgment people didn't understand. And now, you know, it's like you get people reaching out to you, like how do I get work in the business? And they're coming from like, I was an anomaly at the time because I came from an office environment. Most people weren't doing that. <laughs> and now people are, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, I worked in marketing for this fortune 500 company. How do I work in cannabis now? And I'm like, Oh, see, Times are changing. People like the acceptance is is good. But I mean, we do like you were mentioning It's like we have a long ways to go. And part of, you know, the work that's helped us along has been, you know, the hard work of the unions. And what made you decide to to participate? Well, I know you were in a union shop, but what made you decide to do the leap from? Well, actually, no. Before I ask you that. How long were you in the dispensary before you decided to make the leap to become a union rep and what made you decide to do it?
1: Um, I started being dispensaries in 2011, 2012, and then I started working for the union in 2019, actually, quite quite recently. Um, So I guess um, it all started with, in my shop, I knew that we had a union, but I didn't feel like we were participating enough in it. Thankfully, like my, my background with my family is like they're very firm on education and understanding your rights, which, you know, is a necessary thing of, you know, being a black woman in the Bay Area. My family, my father's family is mostly from Berkeley. So knowing your rights has always been a really, really important thing <laughs> moving around in life. And I just started noticing some workers, some of my colleagues not understanding like, hey, you're supposed to get a lunch like no you you don't you don't need to skip it or you know you shouldn't be forced to do anything or if you feel like this isn't safe you shouldn't be doing that and I just started doing it I guess and I soon was considered the steward the steward in a shop is the person that's basically like the eyes and ears of the union the person that tends to know the contract the most and is ready to speak up for the most part and I just naturally have always kind of been that person and You know in any kind of like work or school or friend relationships of if something doesn't seem right i'm going to need to say something um so i just naturally started advocating for myself and my colleagues and over time um i I left the shop that i was originally at for like seven i was at this one shop for like seven years um and i just kind of wanted to see something else and see growth elsewhere so I hopped around to a couple of other shops after leaving um, my home shop that got me involved in my union activity. And when I was at the last store that I was at that also had a lounge, and I really felt like I could have some upward mobility there, my previous union rep contacted me and let me know, hey, we're, I think there's a great opportunity here for you. Because um, he knows how passionate I am about cannabis and our workers. And so he connected me to start, like, kind of do, like, a tryout. We call them SPURS, which is um, Special Project Union Representatives, which is workers that we will take out of their stores and have them come and work with the union so they can get the experience, see if this is something they want to do. And that's how I started doing it. And during that time in 2019, I helped organize – the MedMen shop in San Jose and Seaside. Unfortunately, the Seaside one has closed Um, around the pandemic. Things got really rough, as everybody knows. Um, So I help organize MedMen. I help organize our Safeway.com delivery drivers, who actually, I'm really happy that they got their union as soon as they did, because unfortunately it sounds like Safeway has fired all of the delivery drivers except for their union ones. Oh, wow. Um, So we organized, yeah, so we organized over, I think, two, I want to say there's about 200 of those workers that are drivers that are going to be able to retain their jobs because they have a union contract. Um, You know, it's kind of something that happened after Prop 22 that they ended up, you know, letting go of all their drivers everywhere else and just completely created DoorDash. And I know the good workers are rising, and they're doing their work to make sure they're properly represented. So, um, yeah, I I just started doing the work. It kind of just all naturally fell on me, because I was in school at the time, and I was studying podcast journalism, um, but I was always involved in cannabis, so I just followed my passion. And I've been fortunate enough to work in an industry and in a position where I can advocate
0: for people and help if they, if they need to. Yeah. Well, and it must be a huge boon as well. Like my, um, when I was, when I was chair of the legalization task force for San Francisco, uh, one of my co-chairs was uh, one of the union reps and she was, she was lovely. She was wonderful to work with. But one of the things that I think was a difficulty was ramping up and really understanding what was going on in cannabis, um, understanding the employee experience and all of that. And you came on board with that, with all that knowledge. How was, was that a, was that a a good thing for you? I mean, how, how did the union feel about that? I'd imagine that it created some more constructive movement as far as your work goes.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because even as – because there was only a couple of shops that were represented by UFCW in the Bay Area. There was Magnolia, and then there was Mission Organic Center where I came from. And, you know, when I was a member, I did notice that there was kind of like so, – some of the reps would seem a little like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Like when they're just – when we're just counting money, you know, out of the and things. And it's like, <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> it's not – it's not that odd and it, and it is helpful because I it's helpful because I know what can and can't be done, given I didn't have to work with metrics very much, which looks exhausting. Oh, <laughs> I know right. But, uh, I do I do have experience working in almost every area. Um, I was a receptionist. You know that's kind of the nature of cannabis, that like you do multiple jobs. So I was receptionist, I bud tended, I was a buyer. Um, I was in management, you know, I did payroll. So I do know, like, there's, I know what can be done and I know, you know, I understand a learning curve for some people as well, because mm-hmm. it is helpful to like hear from the workers that they have an issue. And I'm like, wow, this is an exact issue I've had. And I can completely empathize with that. And this is how I was able to accomplish something because part of representing workers, isn't just, me going in and saying there's an issue or anything. I really view unions when it comes to cannabis. When it comes to my union in cannabis is to work as a partnership. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm behind the workers no matter what. But in order for these workers to do well, I do need the business to do well. So it's not that I want to go and cause issues and blow things up or anything. It's like I want I want things to go well. I want business to flow. I want people to come here because I would like to see that help the workers in the future as the company do, does well and grows and want the workers to grow with it. Um, and I think that's what really helps me is coming from the community aspect of it. Um, and I understand it's a business as well, but it's important for us to remember where we came from and that we should maintain that community aspect of what's worked together so that we can, you know, get to the same place.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that a lot of businesses forget is that, you're only as good as the people who work for you. Mm-hmm. Because they, yes. are
1: I and I tell workers that I'm like, you know, this we can't be here without one another. Like you guys are are are, are doing the work, you know. We have the people out actually growing it and trimming it and in the fills and like, and then it comes to the store. It's, it's we're such a necessary part of this business. Without it, it wouldn't really run the way it runs. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you feel like since there the unions have gotten more involved with the workers and cannabis. Do you feel like uh, people are getting treated better in the workplace now? I think it's a little 50
1: 50. I will say, I think, I think there's a, um, when it comes to the cannabis, I mean, on both sides because even within my union, some people aren't really familiar with cannabis, mm-hmm. so they might be, I don't know, apprehensive about the behaviors that happen. Like I said of like, oh, you know, we're counting a bunch of money and I have to walk down the street to the bank because we don't get any banking still. And I also think that sometimes businesses think of us as a threat. Like we're going to show up with the big rat and we're going to yell at you. And it's like, I mean, we, we can't take it that far, but I would prefer not to. So I think sometimes businesses are doing better and like they see what another place is doing. So we're like, oh, okay, we should do that as well. And I really love that. Because at the end of the day, I just want to make sure people are being respected and that they're able to go to work, be happy, do their job and go home and enjoy their lives. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of 50, I think some businesses have gotten a lot better and then other businesses have felt like it's a little bit of a threat. Yeah. Um, and I don't want it to seem like a threat. Like I'm not, that's
0: not why I got into this. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's about, you know, I mean, because I, I just remember hearing horrible stories like I I felt really lucky that from the get-go I worked for a company that treated their employees well but I would hear from other colleagues who worked for other dispensaries horror stories about how they were treated and even just like how they were paid and it just Mm -hmm. it sounded very wild west and that was something that if that had been my option when I first came on the scene working in cannabis I don't think I would have made that choice because it just seemed a little unstable, I guess. And so I'm really happy to see, like, as we've progressed, and even though legalization has been hard, I think it's really forced people to, in the companies, to kind of grow up and treat their employees right and really look at, like, the opportunities of being able to partner with the union to you know, have a strong workforce and know how to treat them. Because I think that in many ways people just didn't understand because back in the day when everything was underground, you know, that wasn't an option. You just, it was, it was survival mode.
1: Yeah. And in my contract that I had at my shop that I was really fortunate to have, and like, I, I hope to get this for as many people as possible is that especially with all the changes happening is having some kind of successorship language because at my store, once they sold or started working with another person, we went with the shop. And I think that that's really important um, for places to understand because when it comes to retaining your patients and your customers, like I see patients out to this day that it's like, these people were like my family for so long. Like I knew exactly what they needed, what they didn't like. I knew how to suggest things and maintaining that relationship of having your workers being connected with the community where, you know, somebody comes in and they see their budtender tender and that's their, that's their person. They, they know what I want. And I'm going to continue to come here. And that was really helpful for us because that meant like a business couldn't come and take over and just fire all of us. We stayed. And our patients and our customers really loved that because they, they wanted to come back to see us. They did not want to have to keep explaining their story to brand new people every time. Um, and I understand that, especially when you're in pain, like you don't want to have to explain it every time, and it's not—it's not everybody's business either. Um, so, yeah, um, I really valued that aspect. That it was like I'm a part of this company, I'm a part of this community, and I'm going to stay here to make sure I continue to support my community and their health.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, people who aren't involved in cannabis don't really understand like how incredibly intimate and emotional these relationships can be just because, especially if somebody is coming in and, you know, they're using cannabis for symptom management or they've gone through a major illness and they connect to people. Because I know, like, for myself, when I I was going through chemo and I would go into the store that I later ended up working at, that was one of the things for me was feeling safe by, you know, seeing a familiar face that I knew would be able to help me and understood what I had been going through and what I had tried because it's, it's an intimidating thing. And I think especially back then too, when it was like all medical patients coming in and you had to go through a lot of different stuff to get your, I mean, I got my state card, so it was, you know, a little involved. And so you're just kind of like, you, you need that support. You need to have those relationships. And I know like, for me, I still have relationships with people that I helped years ago because y- you become you become friends and they do become part of your family. And that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about working in, you know, something like cannabis where people actually, for some people, it was their only interaction in the day was coming in and talking to their consultant behind the bar.
1: Oh, yes. I had, like, my regulars that came in every time, the same time of day, and I was like, oh, good, I'm going to talk to you, I weigh out your buzz, ask you how your family is, you know, and so, like, we even used to get people bringing us food, if it was a holiday, we were working on the holiday; they'd come and, like, bring us some of their, like, Thanksgiving dinner, and I was like, this is, this is your, this is the family that's creating, especially, like, the people that you're bytending right next to who, you know, we constantly learn things from one another. Like, I was never, you know, I'll be honest, my strength is not necessarily in the concentrates area. So it was always great to, like, be working beside the concentrates guy that would, like, I would just hear him give his suggestions and talk to people and educate me while educating, you know, our our community members as well. And they were, yeah, they would come in and just hang out. And it was fun. We'd be like, take a seat. Bring your dog. We'll give him
0: treats. <laughs> we I love talk that. Talk about what
1: you want. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. We had a, we used to have a, a gentleman who was a, a chef was a pastry chef at one of the big hotels in San Francisco, and he would around the holidays he'd always bring in a big box of his famous rum balls, which we weren't allowed to have until we were off the clock because they were that strong. <laughs> Yeah. That's so awesome. Oh, it's such a a wonderful feeling. And I have to say, it's like when you're talking about weighing out flowers, I miss that.
1: Uh, I do, too. I miss it a lot. I understand, like, the safety. I'm really happy with the new safety precautions that have happened and the lab testing because when I was doing some buying, I'd see some very questionable things. And I was like, I cannot believe you're coming here with this. Yeah. (laughs) I do appreciate that part, but I do miss actually, like, having the connection with the bud and being able to smell it and take a good look underneath. Some some places are trying to, like, figure out how to still make that happen. But, you know, we're we're constantly, like, right when we get two steps forward, they kind of take a step back of, yay, we're legalized. But you don't get to see, feel, smell the bud. Um, yeah. what well, I miss that. Uh,
0: it's a huge part, I think, of, uh, of a bud tender's education because you really get – when it's in a jar, you you don't get to look at it as much. yes, you've got the smell jars, but when it was like the big colas in the jars, you got to have a real education on scent, on like bud structure, really looking and, and seeing you know what it's all about, whereas i don't I think it's it's more difficult now it's not as accessible when you don't have you know the access to the plant in its more natural state, even though it's trimmed. It's, it's not as over. It's not quite the same as how it is now in a jar. And so I, I, I hope that we're able to do something like that. It would be nice. And I, I agree with you. The testing standards and everything that's been put into place to keep consumers safe is extraordinarily important. And we should have been doing that a long time ago. I just wish that we could do that and weigh out. That would be really nice.
1: Yeah, the interaction with the actual flower is so nice, especially because... I remember having, you know, people like different kind of bud sizes. Yeah. Some people want, like, and, and they're doing that more. I do like seeing, like, the budlets out and things like that. Like, I was fine with, like, medium to small budlets. Um, but some people were like, I want really big buds. And, you know, it was nice to be able to, like, have that interaction of, like, what kind do you want? Yeah. I'll go through, with like, the tongs and pick them out for you. Um it's just yeah. nice to have that choice.
0: It is. And it's like and I I think that especially because of it was two fifteen days, we had more of an opportunity to be exposed to more artisan cannabis where I think we're finding our way back to it now. Um, mm-hmm. but for a while it was those nugs are looking pretty bleak.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well I I really encourage like I get really excited that, you know, more vocal cannabis and like cannabis that's grown in the area that you're that you're receiving it from yeah um, I know that's been a bit of we've talked about that on the oversight committee of like how many actual growers do we have in services store like how come there's so many hangups and being able to get that going because I would love to have you know we do have our good brands that are like local that I'm so grateful for that I remember seeing them when we were just buying like wholesale pounds yeah um, and it's great to see them continue to be here but You know, sometimes it's disappointing to get something all the way from L.A. And I'm like, you could have gotten this from nearby. I know a guy. Um, (laughs) I think we have some more work to do on making sure that, you know, we we continue to support all parts of our cannabis industry from seed
0: to sale, not just when it comes to the retail. Exactly, exactly. And talking about the Oversight Committee, you know, a a lot of times on the podcast we'll talk about, you know, people being – you know, not so happy with the way the laws are going or the prices or what have you. And and what I normally say to people when we start having those conversations, especially when I used to be behind the bar, was this is your call to get involved as a citizen because we have more impact on policy than we could ever know. Because the policymakers, they they need us, they need our votes. We need to let people know that not only are we, you know, active members of society that get things done but we use cannabis and we vote and I know like for myself that was one of the reasons that I initially got involved with task force and also with oversight committee was because I wanted to I wanted to actively take part in what was going on and make sure that we were doing our best to create good policy and granted you and I both know we have a lot more work to go it's going to be a long road ahead but what what made you decide to get involved in that because I think that a lot of people don't really understand why people get involved in um, advocacy and government because it's just like a, a strange hazy area for them that they just never visit
1: i I see my I guess I got more involved because I was kind of raised under the whole thing of you know if you're gonna you know do it right or don't do it. and I felt like I had to like take into my own hands to create the changes that I wanted to see and be a part of it. because um, I also understand people's resistance to getting involved in the more like political side of it totally um, because there are egos and things like that that you have to deal with um. That can kind of, kind of um, fog up what the whole point and purpose of what we're doing is. But I just wanted to get involved primarily because I really felt like workers needed to have more of a voice in these conversations. Because when things did go recreational, I don't know that there was enough communication with the people already working in it. And since I saw that being an issue, I decided, well, I'll start doing it. (laughs) But I saw the problem and, and I, I think that I should step up and make sure like, okay, let's make sure the workers' voice that are in these dispensaries the that are in these grows doing this work, have a voice in these conversations. Um, so I know on the oversight committee, there was, there's a lot of focus with you know the pipeline issues and things of that nature. And which is incredibly important because how am I, how am I going to advocate for workers if these people can't even open up and hire workers? <laughs> so right. I, I, I hope, like, as we move forward, that we get more of the worker voices involved. Um, at the time when the Oversight Committee started, I was actively organizing a few shops in San Francisco. i um, happy to say, like, SISI Mission, um, Sizzy Union Square, that's led by Cindy De La Vega, who is an equity candidate, or an equity owner now, Um are now represented by the union and I rep these workers. So I'm excited to get them more involved because they have expressed, like the workers have expressed, what can I do to be a part of the changes that I wanna see? And that was my main goal, just like passing that down of activism comes, activism and advocacy comes in different forms. Like not everybody's gonna be the person with the sign, you know, marching. Some people are gonna be the writers. Some people are the, the the dreamers and like the people that want to think of new ideas of how we go about it. And I think there's all kinds of form of advocacy and activism. And I'm just excited to get people involved in that way and get them to participate more in these oversight committees. Because I, you know, I know like over time, as things changed with the pandemic, kind of the uh, participation from the community was kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, now we're at a pretty good stride with it. I'm hoping we can have some kind of hybrid situation where things in the future are in person, but also accessible via, you know, TV or internet. But I just want people to know, like, if you want to see a change, we you, you should get up and do something about it.
0: Right. Right. However way that is for you. Yeah. And I think like looking at it, even in a larger scale, like with everything that's gone on in the past year, um, even outside of cannabis, um, where people were starting to feel really like helpless. And some people feeling guilty, like I remember I was talking to a friend who was saying, you know, especially when people were out protesting, you know, I want to protest, but I'm worried about the pandemic and my health, but I feel guilty for being home and I'm aware of my privilege and what should I do? And it's really like having that conversation about you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Like you said, there's a lot of different ways to take part and and in the movement and, and help support other people in their work or do other parts of the work that you have an expertise for. But it's like, you can be all hands on deck and not be out in the streets if that's not if that's not your jam. You know, and I think that that's... Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's, it's, it's about educating ourselves and each other. You know, I think, because I get that. I Like you said, like, it was... I remember going to one of the Black Lives Matter marches and, and getting a little panicky. It's because I was like, Oh my God, there's so many people, but if I'm not here, then I'm not doing enough. And it was coming to terms with that, that there's different ways that you can do it. Yeah. That are going to, you know, take you out of your comfort zone, but not to a point where you're concerned with your health. Yeah. Your health is incredibly important. And that's a form of resistance in its own is taking care of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Cause I, I know like, um, For me, it was a weird thing because like I have a compromised immune system, so I have to be really careful. This past year, I've been so incredibly careful. But in years past, you know, I was if there was if there was a march, I was in that damn march. (laughs) I just, (laughs) you know, you get to a point where you're like, wait, wait a minute. If I get sick, then I'm not a help to anybody. So what can I do? What can I do? To support, and I think people need to just know that there are so many ways that you can. And and when we're looking, at, and then I'm going to go back to um, instead of the greater activism community, but take, dial it back into oversight committee. I mean, this past year we talked a lot about equity, um, which is incredibly important. But what are what are some of the other subject because there's like one of the things that when I was prepping for us today to talk is I underline you know call to action like what are what are some of the other areas that you think are really important that we maybe aren't looking at as closely as we need to around policy
1: I think looking at so there is a labor peace agreement requirement throughout the state as well as San Francisco in the state it's 20. In San Francisco, it's when you have 10 workers. Um, And I would like to see a little bit more conversation behind LPAs and what they mean. Um, Because I do think some of the smaller businesses sometimes feel scared of like, oh, we have to have 10. And they're like, I can't afford this. I can't afford that. And I totally understand that. And I am very much aware from being in the industry of the limitations with our banking, the, the fact that we're not able to you know, that businesses aren't able to write off taxes the way any other businesses, yet we are heavily taxed. It's really, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, but on the other hand, there are businesses that have been around for a really long time and they don't really necessarily have to go by the same rules as some of the, I don't want to say newcomers, but some of the people from the traditional market that are not entering as equity people or equity candidates, um, they... I've, I've experienced some difficulty even at places that I worked at where they say, we're going to remain neutral. The workers want to organize good. Like we're going to, we're going to remain neutral, which is helpful for most companies, but I think it's important to actually do the action of doing, being neutral, because I've experienced some places saying, you know, you have the right to organize, but they'll go and have personal interviews with workers, tell them not to join the union tell them they'll lose things you'll lose your health care if you go union everything's negotiable everybody goes back to square one and I really want to see some more education behind like what it means to be in a union and what it means to be neutral um yeah it is a difficult line because there's even businesses that are actually very that you know are seem to be very pro-union and they have to be like I can't tell you to do it but i like the union you know so it's it's kind of like this fine line where there's even people that are like oh i really want this like i come from a union family i was raised off of like you know having this union the pension has helped my family but they can't say that either so i think it's just important for workers to have the right to choose and you know it's up to them ultimately what union they want and if they want a union and i think it's important for this is to know that I'm not going to come in and try to tell them what to do. Like, I want us to work together. I want you to do well. And I have seen that very much so in this new relationship with the um people. They've definitely come on as like a partnership and wanting to work together in a positive way. Um, of course they've respected the lines and the boundaries that are there, but I have experienced where the workers want to step up and they have their voice and, it's nice to see that respected and I want to continue to see that and people to know that I'm not here to fight with you. I'm just here to make sure the workers have a voice and it's, and it's um, given in a collective way.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the unions have traditionally been what have kept people safe. I know I'm, I come from a union family. My mother's, my mother's side of the family, my, my grandfather, my great grandfather, my uncles, all either work for the railroads or the mines and, you know, the unions are what kept them safe and the unions are what made them able to support their families. You know and at that point in time it's like you could do that with one job. <laughs> Imagine that. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. That's that's like
1: the main thing you always say, it should only take one job. You shouldn't have to have more than one. Um, especially in this in how things keep changing in the Bay Area. you you shouldn't have to stretch yourself so thin that you never get to enjoy the fruits of your labor.
0: Yeah. Um, And for our listeners who may not know what this is, would you explain to them what a peace agreement is?
1: Yeah. So the labor peace agreement is basically a document that the union and the company comes to agreement on, um, agreeing that if workers choose to organize a union, that the company will not do, will not take... Anti-union moves. Um, something that has been seen a lot lately is um, the workers at Amazon in Alabama trying to organize. And you know, you—it's easy to even look up those videos. They will hire. There are companies that will hire like outside contractors and pay them thousands of dollars to tell workers not to organize a union. Um, in my eyes, that money could have just been used to help with the workers. Right. But, You know, um, yeah, it's it's because I don't really know. It's like you're going to spend all this on these people instead of the people that are bringing in any kind of funds. Um, So the idea of the labor peace agreement is to not have that kind of situation where they're trying to convince workers not to be in the union. Let them know, like, hey, it's up to you. It's your choice. You should be educated. You should have conversations with the necessary people and make your decision that way. yeah, that's what the labor peace agreement is, is just being neutral and not doing a whole anti-union campaign against the workers wanting to organize. And instead think of it as, okay, let's take this as I would like to see more of, okay, let's take this as an opportunity to work together and make sure the workers' voices are being heard. Because if they're coming together in this way, saying, you know, we we need that, we're demanding our voice at this point, we should listen.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, here's something that I, I've got a question for you around is professional development in the industry, in the unions. Is there anything that the unions do to help um, individuals with professional development where they're working in union shops?
1: So this is something that's a work in process that I get super excited for. And hopefully I can participate, too, even though I'm not a cannabis worker, is having apprenticeship programs. Um, I would view it similar to how we already have apprenticeship programs because so we also represent heat cutters. Um, I think they're the most similar in their craft, I would say, to cannabis as far as like being knowledgeable on exactly what they're doing that most people don't know how to do. And usually through apprenticeship programs in a union, it would give workers the ability to basically, you know, be paid to learn more. And in order to utilize what they've, they've learned in their workplace. And I know that it's a work in process. Um, I think it also depends on like the part of the state that we're talking about where we start the apprenticeship program. Um, but I do know that we've already, we've already gotten some things moving with it hopefully. But I would really like to see more of that. I would really like to see us making sure that we're including the community in these apprenticeship programs as well, Mm -hmm. you know, from seed to cell, learning metric. And I think there's a lot that we can even learn from things that are already happening, like the the classes that have been done at city college, you know, the other individual classes that different, um, different cannabis like institutions have been starting to educate people. And I think that that's a good opportunity for us. I think it's a good opportunity for the union and the community to collaborate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um I actually taught the first cannabis education classes at at San Francisco City College and um this was a few years ago and I was really amazed at how many people signed up because they were really they're really enthusiastic about working in the industry or even uh creating their own products and for some people they were entrepreneurs that were wanting to you know, create their own businesses, and you know my my little classes were about just like basic cannabis education because I like did a 101, one, for medical practitioners, and then one on on the history, which was basically it it ends up turning into <laughs> deconstructing systems of oppression, as you know we know is mm-hmm. is part of our rich history, um, and it's it it's really wonderful to see like. Schools that are like City that are having more classes that are more pra- have more practical applications, um, like our colleague Ali from Oversight Committee was teaching a class, and I think he was teaching stuff on like metric and how to actually run the business since he has mm-hmm. all that background on the manufacturing side, because we we need more information, and I think one of the things that's really challenging too is that. There's a lot of misinformation out there. It's there are a lot of amazing mm-hmm. educators, and then there's like stuff that's just like seriously homegrown without any real. Like I always say, part of my job as an educator is not only to dispel the myths of the past, but also to disseminate what's true and what's not right now. <laughs> it's it's an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely.
1: Cause, I mean, things are always changing too, and that's something that we always have to remember. Being in this industry is. It is new to being in this legal market. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of science and experiments and things that need to be done so that we can get some more answers. And knowing that this is an open-ended conversation of this is what we know right now, but in the future, we'll find out more. So I'm really excited for that. And yeah, I'm really excited that city college has started taking some of that on because I'm a huge, I love city college. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without them. (laughs) And (laughs) I, I look forward to them getting more support because I know that they've been struggling at the Evans campus uh, when it comes to their aeronautics program. And, you know, and that's one of those workforce development types of programs. So I'm hoping that we continue to uplift those programs rather than trying to take from them. We got to find the funds somewhere. I know they out there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and it's it's the city college programs are so accessible for people. It's like everybody, it, it's just one of the things like even with this year when they're talking about, you know, student loan forgiveness and things like that. Some people aren't even able to qualify for those student loans or the idea of o- owing that much money when you're done with school is daunting. And, and it's it's a huge disservice to our communities to not have education that's freely available to the public no matter what your income is. Yeah. And it's
1: different education for different people. Yeah. Not everybody's a sit in the class kind of person. Some people are, I need to get my hands dirty and in that dirt kind of people. So yeah. I think it's important that we continue to support those programs. And I hope we see more of that because the Evans campus is is, is really important because I, I, all of the campuses that are kind of throughout the city just help us continue to have access to education, which you know, uplift our community because the more educated community members we have, the less crime that we have. And it's, I just hope to see that cannabis incorporated into this more. Because you know, I've always loved the classes because I've even been in the industry for a while. I've gone to some of the like cannabis 101 classes and I'm like, wow, that's different than what I learned
0: 10 years ago right so, you know
1: it's, it's always helpful to get a refresher on what is and what isn't
0: well that's one of the things that I love about education cannabis is that like you know I, I you never stop learning like when when you know and I was d- doing a lot more teaching and somebody once introduced me as a cannabis expert I'm like no one's an expert we're all learning like we think something is true and then the next day it's totally disproven And that's beautiful. Like the, the, it's, it's constantly stimulating and there are so many different areas that you can get involved, whether it is like getting your, getting your hands in the dirt and like growing, or if you do want to get like a little bit more nerdy and get into like the science and the chemistry of it, there's like, there's something for people of all, all different interests. I I personally am like more of a hybrid person. Like I like to get super nerdy, but I also like to get like, you know, elbows deep in the work and like be doing things with my hands. You know, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where you have all these amazing opportunities and also like just engaging young minds that maybe like a, a lot of times when people are getting into, like young people getting into things that maybe they shouldn't be, because I know, like for myself, I was a precocious kid, and um, I would get, you know, I didn't get into huge trouble, I could have, but I was smart enough to not get caught. Um, but a lot of it had to do with, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the key. That's the key. That is the key. A lot of it has to do with being smart and bored. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. we just engage so many minds, but. I, I also wanted to talk to you about any, like, w- what kind of projects are you working on now? What things are you really excited about?
1: I'm really excited. That's a good question. I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm kind of trying to not have two larger dreams than my capacity sometimes, but I'm really excited about getting workers involved in different ways through the union, um, because there's a lot of opportunity. Like I said, like I came from just being a steward, and most of our, most of our entire union, like staff, came from the stores that they worked in. And I'd like to see more of that from the cannabis worker side. Is more of us, um, being in these positions and the union, um, to continue to properly represent these workers. Because who knows better than the people that actually work there? Right. Um, so I'm excited to get workers more, incorporated into our stewards program where they learn about, like, what does it mean to be a steward, you know, getting workers signed up, explaining to them, like, the values of the union and their contract and helping them have more ownership of their contract. And I'm excited about things that might be moving forward federally. I'm excited but apprehensive um, (laughs) because I would really like to see things like the MORE Act, Move forward but i know that there's some issues with that so i'm just i'm excited for more of those conversations and some actions behind it we've been talking about it being legal in the federal sense for a very long time and i'd I would like to see that happen in a way where all people involved are heard for it yeah. um, because this banking situation is so difficult and it is it's going to be hard for workers to grow in a career where, you know, they can't even, where things are so cash-based still, where we still are concerned with the dangers of, you know, like the brash of opportunists that occurred during, um during the civil uprisings that happened, mm-hmm. that happened because we don't have access to the data that we share. Everybody knows it's just a whole load of products here. Like this isn't, this isn't safe for these workers. So I really want to see their health and safety put, um, kind of uplifted more and put to a higher priority. Um, Cause I don't know that they, that people in DC and things like that understand how much that connects. So I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited for the oversight committee to start again, so we can like start moving forward with a lot of the things that we had last agreed on. Um, just because I know the community was really starting to get activated. I feel like we really started to get our flow right before it ended. Um, so I'm excited for that to start again so we can hear more from our community members and work collaboratively.
0: Yeah. I I, I really believe that there's, there's a great need um, for the oversight committee. That was something that I found was really interesting. Um, it's been really split as far as like the industry people in the industry recognizing the need for it. Some people understand that it's important. Other people think that it's just another layer of bureaucracy. But it's really important to have the conversations. I I think especially because on those committees, we have members of the city family and then we have people in the industry and people in the public all, all talking. And it really creates more normalization and a better understanding, which I don't think people have otherwise. When I, in other, you know, when we're not in pandemic land and I'm doing more lecturing out of state especially in new markets new markets or proposed markets where they're looking at you know what they want to set their programs up for those policies aren't based on fact they're based on and and you'll hear me say this I sound like a broken record but they're mostly based on stigma and they're mm-hmm. based on state culture not necessarily fact and so I think that, you know, our work in Oversight Committee and then prior to that in the past task forces have been to bridge the gap, to get people to have a, a better understanding and really to highlight to our local governments what the needs are. Because it's it's amazing when you're kind of in an echo chamber, the things that you, you come up with that aren't necessarily correct. Yeah, I
1: totally agree. And that's why having that like you said, having all these different people that are a part of cannabis coming together to speak about it helps release the stigma and helps, you know, raise the awareness that we need some more education on it. Because um, we were talking about on the Oversight Committee a lot about, you know, having S-type licenses where people can go and learn or where people are able to start their businesses in a place that has all the licensing and everything that they need to have. And that just speaks back to the cannabis community. We work together and it's like, hey, if you need something, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to help you out and I'm going to give you this. And then, you know, it's all a trade off um, of you help me and I help you. And that's how our community continues to do better. And now that you raise it, like I'm also really excited for to see some more of our compassion coming back. Cause that was something that was really close to my heart when I worked at my shop was knowing that there were some people, you know, going through it and in need of some medicine And being able to help them access that. Now it's a lot more complicated to do that for people. And I mean, I remember having patients that were going, you know, had bills all over the place because of their, their, you know, medical bills all over the place and knowing that I could like give them something that was going to help them was so important. And that really speaks to the root of like, why this all really got started was to to help heal one another. So I'm excited I'm excited for that and yeah, getting rid of the stigma so people can get more educated on it. Cause I've had a lot of people come in that are like, Oh, I haven't done this since, you know, the sixties. I'm like hey, it is different. Now I can get you some topicals. You don't have to feel that, you know, I don't want to say psychoactive because you do get some psychoactive effects from CBD, but you know, you don't have to feel too high. Basically just to put it plainly, <laughs> you can have something that's going to just help you get through the day and is it, like, debilitating or keeps you from focusing? Like, there's all types of things that are helpful to people. And it's really exciting to have, like, my grandma call me and ask me for some topicals or some CBD or something or some, you know, something with some CBN. And I'm, I'm just loving that they're already educated and, and doing that research on their own just because they know they don't have to hide about it anymore. And that's what's so important. And, like, that's important for the workers, too. You don't have to hide. Yeah, If you have a voice, you should use it. And let them know, like, hey, I'm passionate about this, but I also need to advocate for myself and make sure, you know, we have some things in writing saying, like, this is what I'm going to get. And if we work this hard, then we'll get to this step next.
0: Yeah. You know what? I love to recommend to people when they've been away from cannabis for a while and, like, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I've heard that it's stronger now and that makes me a little bit nervous. I usually recommend if they're, you know, even if they're smoking, like, a, a, A two to one or a three to one CBD to THC, and when they try it, they're like, "This reminds me of my old experience." That's
1: so true. I love a good two to one. That's probably my favorite. That's my favorite ratio right now. Taking a bit of a more of a CBD route lately.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's really it's 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 very productive for me. And like you, I I use cannabis to help with. uh, with my anxiety it's I mean I use it for pain management too but by and large like that was one of the things that I just I loved when I started using cannabis is my anxiety level went down as long as I was aware of what I was using I, I can't do like a lot of sativas because they'll kind of they I become that person where I look like a deer caught in the headlights and I, I can't talk to anybody <laughs> oh yeah I, when I
1: was younger I used to love a sativa I was like have a sativa and be at the shop just working like a machine and now I'm like if I have a sativa I need to be going on a run or something oh, <laughs> yeah it's a lot for me nowadays but I used to be a big lamb's bread and cheese kind of girl oh. anything than me. Um, but uh, now I'm like that's only for special occasions I can't do that yeah now.
0: I I love lamb's bread but uh cheese cheese is for me there are some cheeses that I can do okay with, but a lot of them, like, uh, like I can't do something like UK cheese. It, it sucks me into the couch, and it actually puts me in a really bad mood. It's funny. It's like, I, I just get, I get to be that grumpy person that I don't even want to hang out with. But, like, if you give me lamb's bread and a creative project, as long as I'm doing something, yeah. I'm all right.
1: Oh yeah, I'll get a spreadsheet done. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I'm like a I can I could smoke Granddaddy Purple during the day. I'm like so. Oh yeah. So good. It's so good.
1: I miss Granddaddy Purple. Haven't seen a lot of that for a long time. Or not the purple that they. You know, I'm originally from the Seven of Seven, so I'm a big purple fan. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: It's <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, you don't see like a lot of purples. Like I remember like do you remember when um when blueberry yum yums was out and about and it was like almost like indigo colored?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I like the blueberry kind of thing. Yeah. I'm trying to get down with like the dessert strains more nowadays, but something about cookies just makes me I don't know, the munchies get out of control. But I usually stick to more of my like two to one CDB. I'm a big like ac fan, Um, Harley Quinn*. Oh yeah, those are my primes. Yeah, don't see them that often anymore. But I get really excited when I see ACDC.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do too. I um, you know, cookies cookies crosses can go either way for me. If it's like a if it's something that's got some OG K B in it, then I'm probably good to go. But some of them can actually make me a little bit edgy. I don't know why. It's. I think it's like, for me, like stuff that has OG cushion. It can go either way, especially because like there is a little bit of headiness in there for me. I I just get sensitive mm-hmm. to stuff. But and it's things that like would normally knock other people out. I'm like, hey, that's cool. I can do that all day. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I get
1: like. I, I kind of miss that part of like the bud tending part also yeah, is I'm, I'm excited about more of the terpene education, which is like new for me. Cause I always recognize it, but I didn't know, I guess I didn't know how to properly identify it. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get some more of that happening um, when it comes to making recommendations to patients and customers. Is you know, cause sometimes people will ask you, Oh, how does this make you feel? And I'm like, well, my body is not the same as your body. And how I process this, is it going to be the same way that you process this? So I'm really excited for the more education. And as we speak about, you know, having more apprenticeship programs and, you know, have some more like fact-based or like science-based information that we'll be able to give better recommendations to people.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the education part is extraordinarily important. I also think that being able to create you can give you can give people tools to succeed in their work whether they're they're approaching it as an entrepreneur or they're coming in getting their education and working for somebody as an employee as a staff member but then there's also that side around creating generational wealth by helping people learn how what to do with their money once they make it Like that's that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think about a lot, because you can you see in cannabis, we see a lot of people who have successful businesses and then they go away. And it's kind of like we before I worked in cannabis, I was in civil rights, but I was also working with people who were either coming to this country, they just come to this country or they were coming from a history of not necessarily having all the opportunities that they should. And we inherit our relationship with money from our families. And so if mm-hmm. we don't have like a good relationship with it, and we don't know how to create generational wealth, it does a disservice to us and our families. Because like, I, one thing that I've always felt really lucky about is that whenever I was in a jam when I was growing up, You know, I pretty much took care of my own stuff. But if things got really bad, like my family had stuff to fall back on that they could help me with. And not everybody gets that. And that's that's what creates success in generations, because we all have bumps that we hit. And we need to be able to have, you know, generational wealth to be able to support our younger generations and have our families succeed and grow. And that's something that I would really like to see happening in our industry and that's something that i've been doing a lot of work with um just you know it, because there is it it isn't just about cannabis it's about people being able to put food on their tables but also to be able to purchase homes and to be able to you know have something to give to their families when they're no longer on this earth
1: yeah and be able to retire yes that's something that i've been having a bit of a struggle with too because then um, you know, our trust and pension within the union is connected federally. So we don't get to really be it or I'm in it now because I'm on staff. But like as a cannabis worker for years, I could have been having, you know, a good pension going, but I couldn't because I didn't have the federal access to do that. Right. And that's something that I really can't. I'm really excited about is workers being able to start having a pension. Like we might not be thinking about it now when we're like, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's in your twenty. You don't think about it. There's people in their forties that don't think about it. So I think it's just important for us to like have that on the table and know that that's an option. Of like, hey, you're working here and you're contributing to your retirement fund one day. Like yeah. After five years, you'll be vested. You're good, and it would just be fantastic to know. Like, I'm creating a retirement fund based off of me being a part of the cannabis industry. Yeah. And and- you gotta get the Feds on board.
0: <laughs> yep, and being able to start the earlier, the better because you want that compound interest.
1: hmm Exactly. You want to be able to retire, you know, and enjoy, enjoy everything that you've been doing, and enjoy your education, and like, hopefully, help bring that back to the community. Yeah. And I think that's a part of generational wealth is knowing how to save for the future, and having it in like a little safety bank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful to have been able to connect with some amazing financial coaches that are doing a lot of that work and especially that are, are directing it towards communities that need it most because financial education is definitely not just for the wealthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've been fortunate enough, one of the companies we work with, um, Shrine Groupers or Sivvy, they created their own pension for the workers. That's awesome. And I love that. Yeah. I was like, this is fantastic. Like, this isn't something I would even think of. And it was so great to show that to workers, like, during contract negotiations. During contract negotiations, the workers are at the table. I was in them when I was a worker, um, being able to say what was actually happening. Because how can a union just show up and say what I need? I, I'll tell you what I need. Yeah, The union just helps me say it in a collective way. So a lot of people were excited to see that. They are like, I never thought that this was something that was a possibility. And it's like, man, we are at the beginning of an industry like this isn't like anything else, you know. I I understand we have like a really rich history in our grocery and retail within my union, but cannabis is brand new to the legal market, and we should really take advantage of educating one another on how this is a sustainable industry and that this is a career. This isn't just a job. This is a career where you can grow.
0: Yeah, I I just you know I just really want to thank you for your work your impact and 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 your passion for what you do, because we really it's very important. And, you know, these conversations need to happen and we need we need to have people like you representing the workers and really waking people up to what's going on and what what we need for for healthy, happy people working.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you. And I I want to give a special shout out to the workers like putting in the time and work to make it happen at their shops. Cause there are some stores that, you know, we're starting to organize right now that are doing some very anti-union things. And I have workers out there working on their off time, just passionate about having one another's back. Um, Cause that's what the root of this is, is us supporting one another. And it's really the workers that are doing this work at the end of the day. They are the ones organizing union for themselves. They're the ones stepping up and saying, this is what I need. I need you to consider my health and safety. I need us to consider a livable wage as much as we can, given the, you know, boundaries that we have with our banking system. But I just want to give a shout out to them because they're the union doesn't exist without the workers. That is what the union is. Yeah. It's,
0: it's workers. Yeah. And if uh, if people want to reach out to you or follow you on social media, how would they do that?
1: Um, they can reach out to me via Well, one way is via email at J-C-R-Y at U-S-C-W-5.org. Also, my Instagram is JessicaCry underscore I need to up my social media game a little bit. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a way that you guys can find me. As more oversight committees and things like that happen, I'll I'll continue to make sure to bring awareness that way. But yeah, find me at JessicaCry underscore U-S-C-W
0: cool what well, you know actually i kind of i i social media is such a necessity these days but i also applaud your ability to to not get too immersed in it because it's uh it can be all-encompassing and not necessarily the healthiest thing
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i try to use it as an education platform more than anything you know bring awareness education come out and you know Support workers when, you know, different, because I'm happy to be on the executive committee of the Labor Council where all unions come together and we support one another. So I use it for that as well as
0: bringing awareness to cannabis workers. That's awesome. And for our listeners out there who would like to follow Planted on social media, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and it is Planted with Sarah. Our website is also www.plantedwithsarah.com. You can listen to this podcast on our parent network, which is the Radio Misfits Network. Um, there's a lot of other wonderful programs on there. One of my favorites is the Winemakers, so check that out. Um, we are going to two episodes a month. We are actually in the midst of two episodes a month, so stay tuned for our, our next episode. Um What else can I tell you? That is pretty much it. If you want to listen to our podcast on one of your favorite podcast apps, we are available on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Google, Apple, and Stitcher. And until next time, stay active, get involved, stay curious, and it is a crazy world out there, and we need each other's support and kindness now more than ever so be good to each other out there and until next time jessica thank you so much for being on the show today um take it easy